Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Flagrant 3 Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Horton, joined, as always, by Chat the Chat Daddy Chapman. What's up, what's up? And Lucas Lukey Poo Glidewell. Hello, hello. Uh, guys, I'm going to be really honest with you right now. I am blazed. Um, not even close to sober. This is why you missed the last podcast, Seth, but but you chose to be here tonight, I which did. I appreciate. It's, it's a baller move. I'm I'm doing what I can. I'm out here doing the Lord's work. WWMJD, <laughs> what would Michael Jordan do? He'd come to work high <laughs> shit, man. Oh, that's more of a Dennis Rodman thing. Never mind. <laughs> WWDR. <laughs> D- DRD. WWDRD. Yep. Okay. <laughs> We're spelling things out in the podcast tonight. I'm trying my hardest, man. I'm halfway here. <laughs> All right, first up on the docket, chat, what you got for me? All right, I mean, we are recording this not 30 minutes after the Celtics beat the Raptors in a game seven in the second round of the 2020 NBA playoffs. Seth, how are you feeling right now? I'm feeling good. They had, you know, they had us in the first half, uh, but... You guys were up by four and a half. <laughs> yeah. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. Uh, no, I'm honestly really surprised... For a couple of reasons. One, the Celtics are a very young team, so I expected them not to be able to be as composed as the Raptors would be in closing out a series like this. Uh, I mean, we've been in a Game 7 before. It's not like it's it's new, but still, being young. Yeah, and you I also mean, lost that other Game 7 that you were in. Yeah. Against the LeBron Cleveland Cavaliers in 2018. That, that, and we also had a really good third quarter, which is almost the opposite of what Celtics teams usually do since Brad Stevens became head coach. Yeah. <clears throat> we'll touch, I'll touch more on that later. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, Marcus Smart is a, a god. <laughs> Marcus Smart, what were what was Marcus's stat line in this game seven? Because good lord, it seemed like he, it seemed like he was the catalyst for the win um, the whole way through. Uh, he certainly was at the very end. I, I'm not sure about the entirety of the game because I think for a large portion of the game we were going to Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, but Marcus Smart had 16, two, six, three steals, a block, a game-saving block. Yeah, yeah. Um, pretty much sealed it. Yeah. I mean, he was jacking up some shots early in the game, but he, oh boy, I'm just now looking at the minutes. Jason Tatum, 44 minutes. Jalen Brown, 42 minutes. Smart, 43. Kemba, almost 44. Here's how you do it, Mike Budenholzer. Honestly. Brad Stevens was talking about because of the double overtime game, the starters weren't going to play as many minutes. They played a lot. He was either lying or just got in the heat of the moment. But that's no, what it was you, a lie. That, that's what you have to do. You have to lie. put your best guys on the floor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no. He he left his best guys on the court, and it ended up, you know, Lowry fouling out in the last, like, what was it, minute? Yeah, and, and minute with and about a, a minute and a half left, yeah. Lowry fouled out. That, that was, was a game changer. That was rough. That honestly, just as a basketball fan and as a fan of this series and the people in it, mm. and, uh, that hurt because it felt like, 
like the last shot that Fred Van Vliet put up that like basically ended the game it didn't feel like the right thing was happening. It felt like the ball should have been in Kyle's hands and he should have been the one to put that shot up or at least get it to someone for a more open shot than that. Yes. Yeah. I see where, I see where you're coming from, but at the end of the day, the way I saw it was uh, Kyle Lowry got into a who-can-draw-the-most-fouls battle with Marcus Smart. And uh, when you play that game... God, you're such a homer. You lose. <laughs> I mean, that actually isn't the worst analysis. It's pretty par for the course. (laughs) Especially the fourth quarter. Those two guys were guarding each other the whole time. That honestly was the most fun part to watch for me. Yeah, absolutely. I I think you're more mad that we missed out on Marcus Smart guarding a game winner from Kyle Kyle Lowry. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just just Kyle not being in the game because he has been the leader for this team. He's been their best player in the playoffs. I mean, he's the greatest Raptor of all time. The greatest Raptor of all time. And to see him not be able to play a Game 7 in the second round against a rival is just... It was unsatisfying. I mean, sure, but it was also the last minute and a half yeah. that he missed. So it's not like he missed the entirety of the game or anything. I, I think that was the most important part, though. Like they were so they were within I think four. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. I I get it. I'm not mad at it. I just I don't yeah. think it's as I mean, I don't know. My team won. So yeah. Chap <laughs> no. Chap and I both had kind of an idea. And my idea was piggybacking more off Chaps. Yeah. But Chap, what about your uh foul out? My role? proposal for the foul out thing is I don't know because I like six fouls for a regular season game where guys are playing 30 minutes, 32 minutes, whatever. But when you're in a game seven in the playoffs and guys are playing 44, 45, 46 minutes, six fouls just seems like not enough in a close game. Um, So I just think that the NBA should go to seven fouls for a foul out. Um, I like your idea better than mine, though, Luke. (laughs) This is a stupid idea, but it's also correct. I think, and uh, what Chap's referring to is, I proposed they do ball don't lie for the final six. Oh, that's foul, better than my idea. Which is like you put you put a free throw shooter on the line. Kyle Lowry goes in for a sixth, and you stop and go. If Marcus Smart makes a free throw, it's a foul, and Kyle's out. If he misses, it wasn't a foul. Kyle's still in. Instead of the replay? Yeah. (laughs) Seth, what was yours? I haven't heard yours yet. My idea, and this is a horrible idea, was uh, have the team fouls, like like you hit benchmarks, like you hit five team fouls, and you have to uh, disqualify one player from your team (laughs) (laughs) for the rest of the game. You hit ten fouls, and the the coach of the opposing team gets to choose. <laughs> At that point, you just don't have Giannis playing after the first yeah. quarter in any game. Exactly. He's just saying that because he he knows Nick Nurse would have taken out Patrick McCaw out of the rotation. <laughs> or or you just have the coach of the team with the fouls pick. Which, which I mean, then you kind of want to have the Taco Falls of the world on the end of your bench. <laughs> Just to, just to be an easy choice for God, first pick. Guy that he didn't, didn't even dress out. <laughs> yeah, he's sitting the rest of the game. Also, can we 
I love Taco falling street clothes on the bench of every game. Yes. Can we let him, like, if Brad Stevens wants to put him in, can we let him just go in the game with street clothes? No one's going to not know who that is. Everyone knows it's Taco Fall. There's no point in him wearing a jersey. I would pass this piece of legislation. I don't think it'll ever happen. It won't ever happen. I think it would be but fun to see like once or twice. I would I love, love to just have a street clothes game every year. Maybe like in the mid-season tournament that they're planning on doing mm-hmm. or something. But I think that would be a lot of fun. And then you get Russ in like wild hats jacking up bricks. <laughs> they get Russ in like a cupcake shirt going up against KD. Oh lord. So right. how do you how do you feel about the Celtics matchup with the Heat in Ooh. the oh, yeah. Conference Finals? Yeah, 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 yeah. I wanted to talk about this. Uh Celtics are gonna lose. Um You really think so? Yeah, it's... I I really do. And that's Mainly because we needed to win Wednesday if we wanted a shot to win the series against the Heat. Well, one helpful thing is, unlike what they did with the Nuggets, the Celtics get four days off. Game one is on Tuesday. So they get a a full three-day weekend, and they'll be fairly well-rested for this. I don't think that the game six, game seven thing affects things a lot. Can I bring something up, though? Yeah. And you're going to hate this, Seth. All right. We saw um, Brown go down. Jalen Brown went down yeah. in the fourth. And what it looked like to me was a pulled groin, and he was still playing on it. So he's more than likely getting an MRI tonight. Yeah. So let's... They'll probably check on it. I'm. What I'm hoping is that he just kind of strained himself a little mm-hmm. too much. Um, yeah, I don't think fun. that's going to be a big deal. He I got back up. Really he didn't even like go to the bench for any game time. Yeah, um, he I'm, had the timeout break. It definitely took him a while to get back up to speed. Right, but I, I think I'm, that was more just being scared and like, I, if I step wrong or if I run too fast, am I gonna actually hurt myself? Also, yeah. we we still don't have a Woj notification that anything happened. Like, yeah. any MRIs or anything happens. That's wild, because usually when I'm streaming these games, if a player gets hurt, like, it's I'll get right a Woj after. notification right before the player yeah. gets hurt on my TV. I, yeah. I know that, uh, and this happened to Jaron in the New Orleans game. Uh, he tore his meniscus, and he was fine playing the rest of the game, and he said it came to him the next day. Mm. So mm-hmm. I'm more worried of Jalen Brown being, like, hurt not knowing about it, and all of a sudden tomorrow he wakes up and goes, I can't walk. But that's more of a worst-case scenario. That would suck. That would, I mean, that would secure the heat spot in the finals, I think, almost certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, if Jalen misses any more than, like, one game of this next series. Yeah. But, and I think, I'm pretty sure Hayward's going to be back for the Heat series. Yeah, that's yeah. the impression yeah, that's I'm getting. Thing. I've heard that that's... Kind of why the NBA like pushed the the start of the series back to Tuesday was so that Gordon could be back and be healthy. Um, but what, like Seth, what do you think are the biggest like matchups in this series? Obviously, the Heat have all their role players who can just shoot threes, do all yeah. that. Um, Butler is Butler. Adebayo is Adebayo. But what? I think, Where do you think it is that the Heat really just overwhelmed the Celtics? Because you said you thought 
Boston was going to lose. Well, I think our guys are tired and banged up after a very hard-fought seven-game series. And I think the Heat just beat the piss out of the Bucks uh, <laughs> and got a good week's sleep. We're praying for you, Sabaloni. <laughs> Slab of baloney. Rip to my guy, Steve. Um, sports are stupid. <laughs> Drink. Never should have been back. Um, no, I'm worried about Bam for sure. Uh, just because Bam is a dominant post player and we do not have what you would call a good big man. Yeah. Bam is just going to... I mean, Bam's going to foul Tice out in the third quarter every game. Yes. It feels like. And then I assume that with the Miami spacing, Brad Stevens is going to refuse to play Cantor again. So it'll be Grant Williams and or Robert Williams coming in and playing the five in a small ball situation. I don't um, know. I could see I could see him playing Cantor, um, at least against Bam. But also, Bam is very good at defense. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. It's a rough, it's a rough spot to be in with that. It'll be interesting to see, uh, Kimba and Dragic go back and forth. Yeah. I think it's incredibly important to, f- uh, see which of those two players is going to be the most consistent throughout the series. I think that's probably the most impactful part, uh, until Hayward is back. I don't know if he'll be there for game one or game two. Yeah. Do you um, think the... Celtics put Kimba on Dragic, or do you think they throw like Smart or Jalen on him, and then put Kimba on like Duncan Robinson, where he can just kind of stay glued to the guy? It's too much of a size mismatch for him to be guarding anyone else. Yeah. Um, the next best one you're going to get is him versus Kendrick Nunn. Yeah, I mean, the thing about Robinson is he doesn't shoot two, so you don't have to worry about that. He would have to stay completely attached to him and not really help anywhere else, which but the I mean, Celtics defense is obviously predicated around. I mean, even then... Rotations and things like that. I mean, Kimba's, you know, 5'11", foot nothing, and, you know, Robinson is a good, what, 6'4", 6'5"? Robinson's 6'7", actually. 6'7". All right, there we go. So, Robinson's 6'7". All he has to do is rise above Kemba, and there's nothing Kemba can do about it. Yeah. I think. And if that starts happening, they would have to change things, obviously. Yeah. I think the best chance would be uh, Kelly Olenek has been a sleeper agent for the Celtics for years. Honestly. (laughs) And it finally comes to fruition now. It's all according to plan. (laughs) I would not put it past Danny Ainge. Celtics are paying Kelly Olenek, like... 12-15 12-15 million under the table to just throw the series. <laughs> Have a crucial turnover in like two games near the end. The other thing that's going to be fun to watch for me, defensively anyway, is Jimmy Buckets versus Jalen Brown. Yeah. And or Jimmy Buckets versus Marcus Smart. <sighs> would he not I guard Tatum? Huh? Would he not guard Tatum? I mean, he probably would guard Tatum. I think Brown would guard him. Yeah. And I would love to watch which of them okay. is going to be the more defensively dominant player. Yeah. I I could see Jimmy really struggling in this series as far as scoring. Yeah. He's going to distribute the ball, and he's going to play great defense. Pro- this is going to be Tatum's roughest series in Miami's defense, a while. Miami's defense is what scares me the most. Yeah. Um, if our shots are dropping, I think... Great, we'll win a game, maybe two. But at the end of the day, I mean, 
water is going to find its level. I mean, the Heat just have a really good defensive team. They are deep. They are deep. Yeah, so you're saying Heat and what, five? Six. Okay, I give them six. six, yeah. Yeah. I mean, unless, you know, guys just start missing buckets for the Heat this series. Yeah. Or if our if our defense is good enough to make them miss, or if our offense is just clicking. Because once that's the thing, the Celtics are extremely streaky on offense. Yeah. When things are clicking, they're, you know, on all cylinders. Tatum's going off for 30. Jalen Brown's going off for mid-20s. And, you know, Smart's hitting six threes. Yeah. Uh, but when things are not dropping, like Smart's 0 for 7 from deep, Jason Tatum shooting 2 for 15, you know. Yeah. Jalen Brown is just a complete non-factor. Yeah, I... I don't know. I was actually leaning toward the Celtics in this series because Jason is a guy who, you brought this up earlier, Seth, is just better in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, And the Bucs, I mean, the Bucs had Middleton, who's usually better in the playoffs in the regular season. And also just against the Celtics. Yeah, he wasn't that, he wasn't playing the Celtics. And Giannis historically has gotten has taken a step back in the playoffs. And mm-hmm. I think that's a big, big difference. And obviously Jason has a better supporting cast around him than Giannis did. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be a very, very entertaining series. I think, it's, I think it will go seven. And I, I think I'm going to pick Boston. I think it's possible possible that Boston can win. Uh, I, I don't think it's probable. Yeah. Uh, it, it really just depends. I think... I also think Gordon Hayward could be a huge factor. His ability f- to facilitate the ball and play kind of that second ball handler yeah. role. And with Jason Tatum passing the way he has been the last several games. Yeah. And then if you get Gordon Hayward back, that also brings in the factor of you've got four five guys possibly on the court who can handle the ball depending on what lineup you've got out there. And from and, then, and all of them are like six seven. <laughs> yeah. And and then you've got either Hero or Robinson, whichever one is on the court, yeah. Guarding a Jalen Brown, a Gordon Hayward, uh, possibly a Kimball Walker, whoever. Yeah. And that can really open up the floor for whoever that guy is to I mean, even just get in the paint and create mm-hmm. um kick out opportunities which all the Celtics have gotten better at for some reason, that especially is Tatum. Um, yeah. So I I don't know. I think Tatum is the X factor. I think he's the best player in the series, including Butler. Ooh, um, interesting. I mean, I agree, but interesting. Yeah. I, I, I think that as much as he's grown, like this year, like the step forward he took in like mid January, and then the step forward he took even coming into the bubble, I, I think that. Tatum dictates the pace of this series, and I don't know about that. I don't know about pace of this series. Yeah, pace is something that I don't think that Jason has really gotten a handle on controlling. I mean, I I saw him dictating the pace of this game seven tonight, especially in the fourth. Um, I don't know. I, I've got a feeling about the Celtics. I could be wrong, but I I mean I see them in the finals. We'll maybe see. I hope. I hope. God. Lord, Lord, I hope. Um, but we'll see what happens, man. I think it's going to be a fun series either way. Yeah. Um, I don't think 
there will be any blowouts in this series. I think they'll all be close games. I just that think might be fair. the Celtics are going to be tired and young. And if, yeah. you know, balls don't start falling the right way. Could be frustrating. Could be frustrating. Yeah. And in close games, we do know that Jimmy has the closeout factor. Yeah. Um, Jimmy, Jimmy's, Jimmy's Butler is built for it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I fully expect this series to go seven games, and I'm very excited. We'll see what happens. Very I'm, excited. I'm, I'm super excited. I think it's unlikely that either of them win a title. I think it's very unlikely either of them win a title. Because um, I think the Lakers and Clippers are the two best teams left. Interesting. See, I think the Celtics actually have a shot against the Clippers. Wow. Okay. Yeah, against the Clippers. I don't think we have a shot against the Lakers. You think the Lakers are better than the Clippers or no. just matchup-wise? matchup-wise. Okay. okay. Because, well, the thing is that the Lakers have... Like seven solid big men. <laughs> I mean, we have Ennis Cantor and Time Lord, and like and Daniel Tice. Daniel Tice is six eight. <laughs> also, we had a conversation earlier. This is a completely an aside and has nothing to do with Don't what we're talking about. You're wrong about this. <laughs> I Daniel Tice is better than Chris Anderson was. He's better than Birdman. I will not take the Birdman. I'm putting up pod. tomorrow. I'm putting up a poll oh in the group, and we're gonna see we're gonna see what happens. Airbud better be a third option, or I swear to God, <laughs> I hate this. I hate this so much. That's completely irrelevant. I might not even keep it in the pod. We'll see. No, just keep it. It's fine. But, um, it's fine. But yeah. I mean, the Clippers have looked beatable at times in the playoffs. There's been games where it's like we put up 150 and we're running away with it. But then Mm -hmm. there's games like tonight or uh, game four against the Mavericks Mm -hmm. where we have a lead and then we squander it Yep. um, and don't play well down the stretch at all. Yeah. Um, And... I'm wondering what that's going to look like against a better opponent. I don't see any way the Nuggets win the next two games and win the series. Um, I, I think it could go seven because I think maybe we fall asleep again. But I, I'm very confident the Clippers are going to win the next game. Yeah, I think they they make it past. Yeah, but yeah. against a team like the Lakers with LeBron, I I'm a little bit nervous, especially especially considering the emergence of playoff Rondo, which I know is he, he's not the third banana on a championship team in most nah, not now. In most cases. Not, not anymore. Yeah, yeah, not anymore. But when you have AD and LeBron, the third banana doesn't need to be a traditional third banana. I, th- I think the Lakers need someone to contribute. See, at, at I see any given game to I win. I see what you're saying. Those two. But I also think the Clippers have the best player in the in the series. I, I do too. That is true. Yeah. <laughs> the Lakers' top two is better than our top two. Because Pandemic P is a soft. Yeah. And then we, I mean, we'll run them out off the court with our bench. But I don't know. If they, they need a third guy to contribute to get wins, and I didn't think they had that guy who could do that game in and game out up until Rondo came back, and now I feel like that could be a possibility. So it's I'm, possible. We'll see what happens. I, I still think we'll win the series. I think we'll win it in six, 
but I I am more nervous than I was a week and a half ago because of Rondo. The thing about the Lakers, at least pre-Rondo coming back, is that when they looked good, they looked unbeatable. But when they looked bad, they looked like they shouldn't be in the playoffs. Yeah, I'll give you that, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, if you can weather the storm and then take advantage of the low tides, I mean, you guys are golden. Yeah. And it, it looks like their game plan is just to drop the first game and then just beat the piss out of whoever they're playing. Yeah, LeBron has, I mean, for years he's kind of wet the bed in the first game a bunch of times um, because he's feeling it out or whatever. Mm-hmm. He cannot do that against the Clippers. Occasionally he's taken two games to do yeah, it. Yeah, but he can't do that against the Clippers. I think no. he knows that. And I'm wondering if that's going to throw him off. Like, he won't get that feel-out game. He won't really get a sense of what the Clippers are throwing at him because he's genuinely going all out trying to win. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It seemed like that's what happened in Game 1 in 2018. Obviously, he was outmatched against the Warriors where he was going all out trying to win. And Game 1 didn't have the feel-out game because he knew he couldn't afford it. And then the next three games, he was hurt, whatever. He also just wasn't himself, and it had nothing left in the tank, even if they would have won that game one. Yeah. I will say, I'm excited to see, uh, this is a matchup, I'm excited to see Kawhi against LeBron again. Yeah. Yeah. The first game of the bubble. It's been a while. That matchup was super fun. Um, Obviously, LeBron shut down Kawhi and PG on that last possession. That was one of the best defensive games he's played in a long time. I don't know. I don't think he can maintain that for a seven-game series. That mm-hmm. that defensive game was coming off. He hadn't played meaningful basketball in five months and was hype for the restart. I don't think I mean, with we'll, the offensive load he tries to carry, I don't think he can do that consistently. Yeah, we'll definitely see there. Uh, LeBron... Gets a lot of uh, clout for being really good in the playoffs, you know, turning the switch on. But the last, you know, couple seasons, it seemed, you know, playoffs or no playoffs, when he flips the switch, it's been getting a lot less energy. Yeah, we've only really had one, like, full-on switch-flipped game, it seems like, so far. And that was game three against the Rockets, where he was great. He was... Um, He was switch flip for LeBron, but he hasn't been that. Like, in 2018, he was that game in and game out. In 2016, he was that game in, game out. Mm -hmm. Same for 2012, 2013, whatever. 2007. Um, He he hasn't been that. More games than not this playoffs. Um, Mm -hmm. And there's been games where it's the fourth quarter and you look around and he's got 11 points. Sure, he's close to a triple-double, whatever. Mm. But he's going to have to be... He's going to have to score 25, 30 a game for them to have a chance in this series. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, don't come at us with advanced analytics proving us wrong about this flip switch. Or flipped switch. I am all for being corrected by stats. Yeah. I died... (laughs) I don't know about that one, Luke. <laughs> <sighs> so, what else do we have on the docket? We okay. We were having this conversation earlier. The overstated podcast. We love those guys. We recommend that you listen to them. Luke doesn't love them as much as me and Seth do. <laughs> but love you, Brett. Um, love you, Brett. 
Love you, Steve. Neutral about you, Jacob. <laughs> but Jacob did his own pod that he started. It's called By the By Numbers. The numbers. Um, yeah. Go listen to it. Um, it's within the overstated NBA podcast. Um, where he, first episode, he broke down, like, the differences in, like, teammates. contextual, like, teammates and who they were playing between Jordan and LeBron throughout their careers. Mm-hmm. Um and one thing that he, like, put a big emphasis on was coaching. And I texted Luke and Seth, and I was like, is coaching that big a deal? I'm in the kind of Bill Simmons camp of I'm not sure that it matters that much. Like, maybe there's a few coaches that really push a team over the edge, like Pop. Like, maybe Spo. I'm not even sure about that. Phil Jackson. Um, Phil Jackson, maybe. But he, I mean, he had some of the most talented teams ever. Yeah. Um, like, does coaching matter? that much I don't know Seth has I think stronger feelings about it than I do I'm like new kind of neutral I wouldn't say so much like it doesn't matter I wouldn't say I have strong feelings but that I have a strong opinion about it I, I think coaching absolutely matters I think it matters more for younger guys who haven't established themselves as stars yet mm-hmm. um like I when it comes to player development coaches are a huge deal um, I just, like we talked about this earlier. Like, look at Giannis, and if you look from his uh, freshman year in the NBA to where he's at now, his jump shot has completely changed. Like, completely, they've overhauled it, and he's become a worse shooter as a result. Um, and that was just bad advice from either a shooting coach or the head coach. I think you know the head coach also is extremely important because they come up with the offensive schemes and the defensive schemes and those different schemes either bring out a lot in a player no matter you know what year vet they are like brad's that's one thing brad stevens is really good at is getting the most out of a player like yeah. avery bradley or evan turner where he takes these guys who are middle of the road and really elevates their game because of the scheme that he plays yeah. I think another guy who's really good at that specifically is Carlisle. Yeah. Just putting a system in place where it maximizes the talents of guys like Maxi Kleber or Seth Curry or yeah. Jason Terry, old Jason Tim. Terry and old Jason Kidd. <laughs> Tim Hardaway Jr. Yeah, Tim Hardaway Jr. Guys who have like a few things that they're like just sub elite at. Yeah. Or in Seth Curry's case, elite at as far as shooting and mm-hmm. just putting in them in positions where they're doing that thing yeah. all the time. Um, and so, yeah, I think that there's a degree to which that matters in that case. But I feel like when you have, like as far as swinging championships, I think most of the best players also like do that themselves. Like I think Luka would be doing that himself with the team that's around him. LeBron traditionally has tried to get guys on his team that will be in their best position playing with him. How far would the Isaiah Thomas Celtics have gotten in the playoffs without Brad Stevens? They maybe would have gotten to the second round. Maybe. They also might have missed the playoffs entirely. I don't think they would have missed the playoffs at all. Um, When you look at Isaiah Thomas, the year he had Jay Crowder, Avery Bradley... Al Horford. The, I mean, but they wouldn't have had that year. But like, the, look he, at the look East at, was so weak that year. I don't see any world where they don't make the playoffs. Look at 
all of those players outside of a Brad Stevens system. Yeah, and I, I guess I'm not even looking as much at, like, elevating the floor of a team to being, like, a playoff team or whatever. I'm looking yeah. at swinging a championship in a given year. Mm-hmm. I don't think the coach matters that much. I I see where you're coming from, where, like... That's a, I just think that's a very isolated way to look at it because you're fair. looking at it as one sp- for one specific reason and in one specific season at a time instead of as a body of work. That's super fair. I also just take like probably overemphasize winning a championship in a given year. Um, yeah, in a given year, like you have to go through a rebuild stage. Or at least a reload stage before you're ready to go win a championship. Right. And coaches who are really good at taking potential star talents and making them superstars are extremely important at winning championships. Yes. Yeah. I think I'm more along the, in the camp that coaching doesn't matter for star players as much as it does for the young guys. It certainly doesn't matter as much to star players, especially ones with really high basketball IQs. Because LeBron James could care less who the coach is. Yeah. As long as he stays out of the way. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Tyron Lue won won a championship with LeBron James. Yeah. So it's it's not that hard, I don't think. Here's a question. You give... Ty Lue, the Miami Heat roster of, say, 2012, 2013, pick a year, mm-hmm. and give Spo that roster, run each of those seasons 100 times, how many more championships does the Spo Heat team win than the Ty Lue Heat team? Or does the Ty Lue team win more because LeBron's happier? That's a great question. I don't think they're going to win more because LeBron's happier. I think... Uh, I don't think a coach matters that much to LeBron because I don't really think LeBron's coachable. Right. And while you can take that in a negative sense, I don't necessarily mean it in a negative sense. Um, Just LeBron is LeBron. He's going to do his thing regardless. He's going to do his thing regardless, and it works. So, I mean... It works really well. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. If it works, don't mess with success. Um yeah, I would say Spo would swing it like once or twice over Ty Lue in like that hundred season simulation, whatever. Mm-hmm. I think he. I, I was gonna say I think the percentage splits are around like sixty forty. Okay, wow. Yeah, because I think that Spo is a phenomenal X's and O's coach while also being really good at balancing egos, and I think Ty Lue's really good at balancing egos, but he's just not a good X's and O's coach. Yeah. And as smart as LeBron is, I think Spo is just a better basketball mind. Yeah. Like, as far as a coach goes. Um, I mean, there there are a handful of coaches in the league that I think LeBron James should listen to. Yeah. Um, there's, not, there's not many of them. It's a very short list, but Spo's on that list. Yeah, Spo, Pop. Spo, Pop, possibly um, Stevens. LeBron would hate playing for Brad, though. He would hate playing for Brad. I would not put Brad on that list. <laughs> Who's your other one? Or is it just the two of those coaches set? I'm thinking them, Quinn Snyder, um, and Rick Carlisle. 
I usually would say also Coach Bud, but uh, after that last series, probably not. I don't know. There, there are a few coaches that I think... I think there are very few coaches that do matter all that much, but I do think that coaching matters a lot. Yeah, that's that's fair. Probably it's somewhat of a semantics thing, and mm-hmm. probably there's also just a little bit of disagreement. But yeah. we do want to hear from you guys, guests. You can like respond to us uh, in the comments or whatever. Like, What are your thoughts on how much coaching matters? Um, and we'll probably come back to this conversation once I think all of us feel a little more prepared for it. We just kind of decided off the cuff to talk about this right before the show. Um, but for the sake of time, it is getting close to midnight where we're at, and I still have to edit this pod tonight. So we'll close out here in a minute. But, Luke, I know you wanted to say something about Dak Prescott and what he said the last few days and just Suicide Prevention Day was yesterday. Yeah. Um, so if you haven't, if you don't know... Uh, Dak Prescott had a very tumultuous kind of quarantine, um, struggling with depression. And I think his brother committed suicide uh, this during this quarantine time. Um, this really strikes home with me. Um, when I was 13, my cousin committed suicide. And we were pretty close. Um, not as close as I would like to be now, obviously. Um, and some awful things were said by someone that I don't want to say the name of. Um, just how people shouldn't deal with depression if they're given everything and like in statuses of leadership and stuff. Um, I want to say and be a voice against that and say the three of us here, we all have our struggles and we wholeheartedly think that mental illness is a very big problem. Um, and that if you're struggling with this, we love you. If you need to talk about anything, come to us. I'm able to talk anytime you want. Uh, chat is too. Yeah. I'm able to talk most times. <laughs> just not from 11 to 2 or 5 to 8. Yeah. Monday through Friday. <laughs> That's Except when... on Wednesdays. <laughs> That's when Seth works. That's uh... when I work. Um, but I've dealt with a lot of mental health issues. Yeah. Uh, in my life, uh, I'm a suicide attempt survivor. Yeah, I am a um, borderline suicide attempt survivor. I would say, like, the attempt didn't go very far, and I like <laughs> backed out in the middle of it. But I have been in that spot where I was ready to um, do something like that. So yeah, I tried all... to hang myself, and the uh, belt buckle broke. Yeah, we. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> I am too. We've all dealt with this stuff, so yeah. Yeah. if you want to talk to any of us, feel free to reach out on social media, whatever. Um, also, the suicide prevention uh, hotline is 800-273-2855. They have been helpful for me in the past. And then also, the text line has been very helpful for me in the past. You can text HOME, H-O-M-E, to 741741, um, and that's just a very good resource if you don't if your anxiety's high and you feel like you can't talk to someone like on the phone, but you can text someone and tell them what's going on, um, vent to them, have them have someone hear what you're going through, it's it's a really good resource. And I recommend that if you're ever in a crisis situation, if you know someone who's in a crisis situation and you can't get them in-person help right then, um, go to one of those two places. Um, 
yeah, and then eventually get the help that you need professionally, whatever. But those are good in the moment crisis situations. Um, yeah, we recommend those highly. And guys, as a depressed person, I want to say if you if you have those thoughts, I want you to think hard about the end of the 2020 season and and think if i'm not there to see the finale what was the point of it all so guys make it to the end of 2020 see the finale (laughs) it it gets better we love you guys we seriously appreciate y'all listening to us it means the world um all five of you yeah all five of you for real Um, we'll have a get together one day we will we'll have a get together <laughs> we we can talk we can talk ball whatever we can talk life we appreciate you guys thank you for listening to the pod and we will see you guys next time Coming to a superstore near you. Oh, a superstore. Ginger in a bottle. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs>